Tristan and the Dragon. Long, long ago, the King of Cornwall lived in a castle at Tintagel, perched on the rocky coast of his kingdom. Tristan was the son of the king's sister. She had died shortly after Tristan was born. And, like so many heroes, Tristan grew up in a humble home, not knowing he was a queen's son. By the time that he came to the court of King Mark, Tristan had learned how to fight with a bow, lance, sword and dagger, how to leap from trees and other high places without ever being hurt, how to hunt deer silently in the forest and how to sing and dance and play the harp. One day, when Tristan returned from hunting, he saw that King Mark's face was as dark as a storm cloud. What troubles you? he asked the king. Fifteen years ago, I fought a war against the King of Ireland, said Mark, and lost it to his knights. As a punishment, each year I have to pay to the king a rich cargo of gold, corn and fine swords. Refuse all demands, retorted Tristan. It is too great a burden. I cannot refuse, replied King Mark. Come with me and see the champion that the King of Ireland has sent against us. A hundred knights stood in the great hall of Tintagel. At one table sat the Irish champion, a huge man, over seven feet tall. My name is Morholt, shouted the champion, and the echo of his great voice rolled like thunder. No man dares stand against Morholt. All of Ireland fears me. Who, therefore, will be the challenger, the man that will fight for the King of Cornwall? The barons hated this taunting, bullying stranger, but no one dared to speak. Lord King, cried Tristan, I will do battle. It was decided that the two knights would fight their battle on an island not far from the shore. They would fight alone with no one to watch their struggles. They crossed to the island separately in small boats. As they jumped ashore, Tristan pushed his boat to drift. Only one of us will return, said Tristan, and one boat shall be enough. From the island, the clash of swords, the ringing noise of steel against armour was heard by King Mark and the knights. Hundreds of people lined the shore, waiting to see which would return. All day the battle raged, until, as the sun was setting, the Irish champion's boat came into sight. Morholt is the victor said the king in deep gloom. But from the boat stepped Tristan, broken sword in his hand. My lords of Cornwall and of Ireland, Tristan cried. Morholt fought bravely, but my sword pierced his head. It broke in the fight. Here, take it. Cornwall's gift to Ireland. Tristan was received with great joy at the castle of Tintagel. But when the Irish lords returned to their own country, all of Ireland was sad. Morholt had seemed a terrible, cruel man to the Cornishmen, but in his own country he had been a gentle and kind giant. His young niece, Isolt the Fair, a beautiful princess, promised that one day she would gain revenge on the knight who had killed Morholt. In Tintagel, Tristan fell ill. He lay on his couch, white and weak. No medicines could cure him, although doctors came from all parts of the kingdom. No one knew that Morholt's sword had been poisoned. 
Each day, the stench from Tristan's wound increased until no one could bear to be near him. I shall die, he said, but it will be at sea, not here in this bed on land. He asked King Mark to put him in a boat with no sail, no oars and no sword in his hand. King Mark believed that Tristan was indeed dying and would shortly join the gods, so he prepared the boat as the knight had asked. The little ship drifted away from the shore of Cornwall. Caught by the winds and the tides, it moved north and north, near to the coast of Ireland. Tristan had taken only one precious possession with him, his harp. He picked it up and played a mournful tune. Fishermen heard his playing, but when they reached the boat, all was silent, and Tristan's lifeless hand trailed along in the water. They carried him ashore to the castle of Whitehaven, where Isolt lived. She had magic medicines which could make people well again. She bathed and dressed Tristan's wound, although she did not know that this was the very night that she had vowed to kill in revenge for the death of her uncle Morholt. After a few days the wound was healed, and Tristan could walk along the walls of the castle, wishing himself back to the court at Tintagel. He waited until he was strong, and then one night he slipped away, saying not a word to Isolt or any of the Irish folk who had rescued him. He found his boat, and now playing a joyful tune on his harp, let the breeze carry him home to Cornwall. King Mark welcomed him home with a great joy, and in Tristan's honour a big feast was held. As for Isolt, when she found out that they had gone, she vowed that the next time they met, Tristan would not escape her. Now King Mark did not have a wife. Every day his barons asked for him to find a princess and marry her, for they thought if the king did not have sons, Cornwall would one day be ruled by Tristan, and they all feared Knight Tristan. One morning, two swallows sent by Isolde flew by King Mark's window. They dropped from their beaks a lock of the woman's hair. It shone like spun gold in the sunlight. King Mark picked it up. I will take a wife, he said, and it shall be the lady with the hair of gold. Whoever finds the lady will receive a great reward. When Tristan saw the lock of hair, he recognised it immediately. It came from the head of Isolt. King Mark, he said, your lords may search the whole world, but they will not find the lady with the hair of gold. But if I set my life at peril for you, for the search will mean great danger, I will take an oath to die or to bring back the princess who has the golden hair to be your wife. Tristan fitted out a ship and took a hundred knights with him on the journey. He disguised them and himself as merchants and sailed directly to Whitehaven, where Isolt lived. He went ashore alone and was told that Isolt had shut herself away in the castle. She sent out a swallow every day to fly to all parts of the earth in search for the vanished prince who played the harp. On the next day, the Cornishman heard a great roaring noise, as if a huge brute was in pain. Tristan asked a woman hurrying by the reason for the noise. It is a dragon, she told him. The most terrible dragon on the earth. Every day it comes to the gates of the city, and every day a maiden has to be given to it. Not all of Isolde's magic can overpower such a dragon, 
Twenty knights have fought it, and twenty knights lay dead. Can no man kill this dragon? Tristan asked. We wait for such a man, the woman replied. The king of Ireland is in despair. The one man who would have conquered the monster lies dead. Morholt, our champion, was killed by magic in Cornwall. This fight is not for us, Tristan muttered to his men. One other thing, the old woman went on. The king of Ireland has promised to hand his daughter Isolde in marriage to the knight who kills the beast. Tristan returned to his ship quickly and armed himself for battle. He rode out into open country to seek the dragon. As the monster grew near, Tristan saw that it had the head of a bear, red eyes like coals of fire, the claws of a lion and the tail of a serpent. Tristan charged his horse at the dragon with such force that his lance broke in a hundred pieces. He drew his sword and struck the monster's head. Not even the skin was broken. But the beast felt the blow and angrily prepared to burn the prince with a single fiery breath. It charged at the knight, who put up a shield to ward off the flames of fire. The dragon knocked the shield from Tristan's hand with such force that it broke into a thousand pieces. Another snort of flame from its nostrils burnt his horse to a cinder. Without hesitation, knowing now that he only had one chance of success, Tristan ran close to the dragon, and as its open mouth searched for him, he thrust his sword down the monster's long throat and into its heart. The dragon fell dead. Tristan cut out its tongue and placed it in his belt. But the dragon's poison had touched Tristan's hand and he fell down in a faint. As he lay senseless in the bushes, Isolt rode by. She saw the dead dragon and the knight lying on the ground. His hat had fallen from his head and she recognised him as the prince with the harp, the man she had sworn to kill. Again, she would bring him back from the dead but only to take her revenge. She touched the poison spot with a magic balm and lifted Tristan's sword high over his head. Die, she cried out. Die, Tristan, who killed Morholt. Tristan awoke from his faint to see the Avenger standing over him. You have saved me twice from death, Tristan whispered. Now make it three times. Ever since the swallows brought your hair of gold to Cornwall, I have searched the oceans for you. And Isolt believed him. But when Tristan came to the palace of the King of Ireland, he told a different story. I have been sent by King Mark, he told the Irish chieftain. He sends you peace and goodwill and wishes our lands never to be at war again. The king's greatest wish is to marry Isolt. All of Cornwall will be hers as queen. And as for you, King of Ireland, you will know that your enemy is in your power. The king therefore agreed to Isolde's marriage to King Mark. And so, by this trick, Tristan was allowed to sail from Ireland with the weeping princess. But on the voyage to Cornwall, Tristan came to realise that he had fallen in love with Isolde. He could bear it no longer, and the night before they reached the Cornish coast, he told her of his love. Isolde wept and told him that although she had sworn to avenge Morholt, She could not harm Tristan, for she loved him too. But she would not go against her father's wishes. And so, at the castle of Tintagel, the wedding of King Mark and Isolde was celebrated with feasting and songs.
but there were two very sad people at that wedding. Nor does the story end here, for many strange and tragic adventures were to happen to Tristan and Isolt, adventures that were to end in bitter tears and their deaths many years later. But that is a tale for another day. The End